All right, more end timesy stuff. Like, this is so awesome. I get to be able to talk about this now. Well, because we wanted to like start off talking about this, mm-hmm. but then it's hard to gauge. It's the not what you that, go at people with. Well, right yeah, and away. it's hard to gauge the people that the Lord puts in your path, like how best to serve them. Like, and so we understand the importance of understanding this and how it should play a huge role in your life and affect these different things. But sometimes it's hard to gauge like where best to go. So the fact that so many of you have time and time again been like, ooh, more in time stuff. Ooh, more of that. Can you tell us more about that? What about this? Nobody else that I know is talking about that. And so Brandon's over here doing a secret like high five dance. Like, yes, I can talk about this. Well, this comes from a post that Justin Peters from Justin Peters Ministries. Who is amazing, a great teacher. I absolutely adore him. And if you watched The American Gospel, um, he was in it, so you'd know who he was. Yes, I absolutely adore him. He is an amazing teacher. Um, He really is. He really is. Anyway, he posted a article that it was honestly refreshing for me to see because... Not many legitimate in time or uh, preachers talk about in time stuff. Yeah, he was so excited when this came across and his feed last I night. I was, <laughs> and it was just really surprising because you don't really see, like I said, you just don't see you really even don't. big name preachers talk about this stuff. Yep. Most of the people that talk about it are a tad bit sensational, or they're viewed, you know, just kind of as like, oh, those, you know, that that crate, you know crazy prophetic type like that's what i kind of think of my brother sometimes like whenever he hears the word prophecy he like he just gets like oh god he gets like uh, he just shudders so like that's the type of person that i think of whenever well i feel like the that's the way that that's a good representation of the church but the way that like jeff durvin of apologia Mm -hmm. stereotypes anyone who believes right in taking scripture literally and believing what it mm-hmm. says that is just this crazy sensational weirdo right. over here yeah yeah that's you know playing left behind games and you yeah. know all this secret like rapture stuff this is what the, the moon is slightly yeah. this color this happens or whatever it's like oh that's it rapture within the next 24 hours get in your bunker mm-hmm. whatever it's like no that's not yeah your, that's not oh. so it it's whatever so it was it was refreshing seeing a just a normal teacher talk about speak about this and and post something about this and the article that he posted is from a pastor minister who he's got an amazing story but his name is anthony wade and looking deeper into him and reading more of his stuff like the guy is absolutely amazing so it's gonna it's gonna end up being a a two-part series. So I Anthony think. doesn't know this yet, but yeah, he doesn't. Him know. and Brandon became best yeah, friends. Yeah, well, well, yeah, yesterday, and this is thanks to Justin Peters because he posted <laughs> this and and. Do we just become best friends? Right. Yep. Justin Peters wrote up a little little thing on it, and so I, of course, I read it, and then I looked into this guy more, and I was just kept reading and reading and reading, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is I have to do this because this goes along with. A lot of the a lot of the content that we've had out lately, a lot of the things that we talk about, um, this fits right along with it. Let me just share this: Anthony Wade of the Messed Up Church, his mm-hmm. purpose that they have stated on yeah. their website, 
and you guys let me know, those of you who've been around for a little bit, you let me know if this rings any bells to maybe something along the lines of, I don't know, AMP Home Church, Growing Up Churchy. <laughs> just, uh, just let me tell yeah, you there. guys, our purpose, confronting and exposing apostasy, mm-hmm. explaining biblical orthodoxy, <laughs> rebuilding shattered faith by the light of the gospel from God's word, Returning to the Reformation principle of sola gratia, sola fide, sola scriptoria. Grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone. Let me know if that reminds you of anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Because when Brandon sent me this stuff and he was going off, you guys, he was losing his mind. He was so excited. I'm reading through the stuff and I'm like, oh my goodness. Yep. I know what we're going to be doing. Well, he, um, he links it. He does. He links a lot of this in what I'm taught. What we're talking about is this two-part series of this, this first-part article that he wrote is called The End Times Perfect Storm of Heresy Series, and it's the megachurch, so he's got his own series that he's done on this, and um, I guess I'm copying his series here, but because they're amazing, and so we're just going to go over and talk about them a little bit here. Yeah, but we definitely want to send you guys to other people who are talking and doing Right, that are saying the same thing, but he brings up you know a lot of the same points that I've brought up, but he sums it up, and then he... He honestly has blown my mind with a couple things. He ties a lot of this to the megachurch, and I think yep. he's right. Yep. Um, and he, this is in this is the episode that we just did a few. This would be a few days ago now. Talking about the falling away. Yep. Being, you know, just this general apostasy that we're going through and seeing now in the church. Well, and it's so funny to talk about this topic specifically because before you were really woken up spiritually and and truly had this this change in your life, but years back when I was trying to do all of the things that I felt were right and I knew spiritually, like I I was wanting that, I was trying to do it, I was trying to force you along even Mm. though you wanted nothing to do with it. Um, The things that I found so often were mega churches. And so Mm -hmm. I was going to them. I was taking our kids to Mm -hmm. them. We were attending them regularly. And I was, you know, most, like we've told people, most of the time I just get up and get ready and we just, I wouldn't wake you up. We really wouldn't talk about it. I'd just go to church. And when I got home, we'd just act like nothing happened. Or certain times I would, through whatever means, kind of force you to go along with me. And your skin always crawled Mm -hmm. when you went with me. You just didn't know why. You know, and, and I, it's not that I loved everything about it either. I just tried to overlook it because I was like, well, it's the way it is. I I have to go to church. I have to do these things. Like these things are important. I don't know what else to do, but it's funny as we study specifically into these things now that you were like, my skin always crawled Mm -hmm. over these things. You just didn't know or understand like exactly why it was that it was so off putting. But that's why sometimes we've talked to other women and we're like, maybe stop trying to force your husband to go to church. Maybe the reason why your husband is so opposed to these things are good reasons that he should be. You've talked to many women who are like, my husband, he isn't where he's at spiritually. Like, I know he's a believer, but he just doesn't do it. And I, what do I do? And it's sometimes it's like, maybe stop trying to force him. Maybe there's something that's there that is causing him to feel that way, like for a reason, possibly. Yeah, I you mean, know? back then, the I, I was like, stuff, why, but... why are we, why am I going to go to somewhere filled with people that I would never hang out with? These are like the type of people that I would never hang out with. Yeah. Why would I? Then this to is what to church this ridiculous is. Ridiculous music. So and now do these you know, it's like and, yeah. this is ridiculous. I, I just, I kept thinking of the one. 
don't remember the name of it. It was the one in Harrisburg. Yeah. In North Carolina. I think it was called like University or something. I don't remember. It was. Yeah. That's the one that really bothered you. Oh. They were the Hallelujah box. Yeah. Yeah. They, they bothered me. But anyways, but I find um, it interesting oh, before, that. So before we start on this, um, and I meant to say this at the very beginning. So before we start on this whole mega church heresy end times thing. And, oh, I guess I should form my point. Yes, I talked about how the great falling away. And I think a lot of this could, this is happening currently. And I think that's yes. our greatest and most obvious sign of the end times is the fact of where our church is and the things that are pumping out and just our general culture now. Um, you know, we're finding all of how many people are lost in in the music and different doctrines that they had no idea. And oh, yeah. we're going, this man, this is wide and this mm -hmm. is what's being taught. And now it's getting defensive to like where if you don't believe this, you're, you know, you're some kind of hate monger yeah. and you don't know how to interpret scripture right. Or you're just or a fundamentalist. A fundamentalist or, or an old white man <laughs> plus one one middle-aged black man being yeah. Vody Bauckham. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that was so, so funny that somebody yeah. commented that on YouTube the other day. It's so true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so... It's. Uh, I think it's a huge part of of the pointing towards the soon return of Christ. Honestly. Yep. And completely agree. And this kind of uh, goes into more circling out more of a point for it, and so we'll go into it. But first, I did want to say um, thank you again so much to our church families. We have the most awesome family here. Yep. And the way that you all interact with each other and the way it's so such a blessing and the way that people have grown and everybody is focused more on Christ and more focused on the Bible. And, oh, my gosh, it's just it's such a blessing. I feel it is like by far the coolest thing. ever. Yeah, it is. It is the most amazing, joyful thing ever. And some days it's the only thing that keeps us going. Uh, just the, you know, <laughs> most days is just seeing, uh, you know, just being able to 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 feel that with all of you, you know, yep. we are suffering along with you. We are joyful along with you. But the growth, I mean, this is just this is just so awesome just yep. to see. And you guys have been so unbelievably kind to us and our family. Yeah. And you guys have supported us and definitely lifted us up and and provided for us in ways encouraged that us and encouraged us, us in ways that we can never express. And we play we pray every day that you will you will be blessed just as much as you have blessed us and we we're confident that you will. Um again, I, I suggest go listen to the the thank you episode that we did for this because it's still yep that's still relevant to right now so if you haven't listened to that one you should but it, it's just another quick one because um this past weekend has been nothing short of amazing yep <laughs> yeah and i mean and when i say this it's everything from kind words every single day you know your communication to your prayers to a lot of you all have 
even provided us dinner on multiple occasions, which our hearts are just, oh my gosh, they just hit the floor every time. I think we just Well, that's the only reason why I share the Living by Faith updates, you know, to share. Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing when you truly take God at his word and you truly do live the way he called you know and you said but you guys are living so you guys are the proof you guys are proof and you guys are living so biblical and this is exactly the way that because none of this is about us none of it is and this is we are just sharing what god yeah what god gives us And, and being able to just have that work in this in this group small group of people uh has been so so incredible yeah. I'm so blessed. I mean, that's it's just I'm, I you know I often go I I don't I don't know why you know you've chosen us to to just pour this all on to be able to see all of this so obvious and so to be blessed by it so much, uh, but he does and I want to make sure that I am thankful to him and thankful to every single one of you. No matter what you've done, whether it be a kind word or whether it be a prayer that we don't even know about yeah. or whether it be a donation, a donation or, or dinner or, you know, yeah. it's you guys are just incredible. And I can't I am blown away by your your willingness and your growth and your generosity and i just i can't thank you enough so i wanted to make sure and stop and say thank you and i wanted to do that all at the beginning so i know i threw off this whole 14 minute intro yeah i knew i threw this whole end times thing off this will be quick yeah that needed to happen do you know it was about eight minutes and when you said what this one was about specifically was it eight minutes? Yeah. <laughs> it's like eight minutes, 20 seconds. Like that eight to 10 but minute we, is your, we yeah. are, we are loosely talking about it, but you, we get, were talking, you about get it. to your point, your natural. Well, then you to need to, to just, you need to just start like saying the That's point. That's why I title things. So people have a heads up of what they're listening Didn't, to. We already talked were, about this we once. Did. did we keep this in? I think so. I, I don't, don't remember. Anyways, you ready to get started now? <sighs> Yeah. I'm glad you said everything you said needed to be said. but I know, and I went, like, when I thought of it, I was okay, like, guys, this is bad Okay, guys, just know, time. you're 14 minutes in. This is going to be a long podcast, okay? So listen so to deal it, with pause, it. come Either back. Li- <laughs> why are you listening anyway? It's weird. It's, it's crazy. But no, but when God lays, you know, it's funny is I recorded my biblical womanhood today. It ended up being about 45 minutes long. That's crazy. But I'm reading through the scripture, and I felt so compelled to say that, you know, so it's like I don't want to – just be like, oh, well, this is the box I have to fit into for people to actually pay attention. If you want to pay attention, you're going to pay attention. Amen. So and the, you know what? Gonna, I, I, that's I a great. That's a great point because you know we see these these I'm not here to market these us ministries to that are targeting desirable. this whole ten to fifteen minute. And I'm I know how this works. I know how you market things to be able to In your professional to life, fit that's your what yeah you did. like to fit this. So I understand they're trying to fit a ten to fifteen minute quick. I'm going to make it visually appealing so yeah. I get you interested, get clicks, get followers, I'll get check my this. box that I did the Jesus thing yeah. and call it a day. Set up a Patreon account. Everything looks professional and great. I sell t-shirts. You know, I, I know how the whole deal works. And that's just not – and I'm not saying that it's that's not okay. Sure, I mean, I, I, like, I, I, I like Alan Parr a lot yeah. from The Beat. And yeah. he does that. He's a great job. Yeah, he, but he markets the, the crud out of himself. And that's fine. 
That works for he, him. That's how he makes his money. That's how he makes his money. And you know what? He's teaching true biblical doctrine and yeah. truth. He's so great te- I'm he's not. He's a really good teacher. He is a really good teacher. And I'm not going to fault him for it. No. That's how he is marketing. But if you his did teaching. that, it wouldn't feel authentic. Right. If like I did that, I couldn't ball. do that. So I couldn't do that. And and I don't think where we are now. This is the part where I just kind of disagree with things like that. Where I go, it, we don't have time for that. Yeah. I understand that we're trying to get, you know, simple-minded people and Christians more involved and understanding. And we have to, you know, each each person definitely has their way. And I'm not saying with that, but a lot of it is it, crap that we need to cut out that we don't have time for because we're dealing with, like, real-life things. And I've and you can tell. The time is short. And you can get tell people that that. In ministry, you can tell when you talk to people outside of it that are just recently starting to get into it. They're like, I can think of a personal conversation that I just had recently where where he's like, but they don't know God. Yeah. And they're dying. Yeah. And it's like real, like it's a real situation, you know, and they, and they, they're rejecting God. Yeah. And, and it's where it hits them that this is real. And so then you're dealing with the eternal, right. And you're dealing with a real eternal person's soul. And the fact is we're all dying like this yeah. and we None have to take it tomorrow. seriously. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it doesn't, like I said, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not dissing anybody, but so much of it is we don't have time for it. And if you're going to listen, you're going to listen in the end of this article that we're going to go through perfectly sums up my point right here because he talks about him saying you know what don't say i didn't warn you yeah so that that's what this article ends with and that's one of the reasons why i decided to podcast on it so well and i think that's a hard point like i said with my video today is it's sometimes it's like you want to try to hurry and, and do the right things right. but it's like but i feel god weighing on right. me to say this so if you are interested and you truly are mm-hmm. we are truly serving you mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if this is 30 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes Sure, maybe you'll break it up throughout your day. Listen to part this morning, part tonight, or whatever. Because I get it. I mean, I've got four kids and do this. But look at the amount of time you take spending doing stupid things. Well, and that's the point. So I could sit down and binge watch half a season of The Office like it it was nothing at all. Right. right? And before you know it, you've gone past four hours. Yeah, and and I've clicked the Netflix pop. We don't have Netflix, but when we had it. When it used to pop up, are you still watching? I used to watch and continue watching. Like, I'd click through that like three times. You know what I mean? Like, it was nothing. But you're telling me you can't talk about The Lord's Return for an hour, hour Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, it's priority over time. Doesn't hold my interest. Just like everybody knows that they should go out and have a – uh, a good paced walk for 30 minutes a day like everyone should do that nobody does it because they're just like oh, i don't have time to work out you can't take 30 minutes to go walk like as a family you can't do that like whatever oh, anyways do. let's let's jump into this all right so again the article is by anthony wade of the messed up church it's called the end times perfect storm of heresy series the mega church this is from july 19th um so just recently just put this out we will have the article linked in the description box obviously so you guys can follow along i'm gonna start reading it and let brandon <laughs> do what he does best okay so i don't he in this article here he quote he links an article that this carrie Nyanhoff wrote and he talks about how he was normally a fan of his 
because um, he's normally doctrinally sound. But yeah, and this guy's article this was guy's the five article unfair was the five unfair criticisms of large, of churches. large churches. Yeah, and that's kind of what he's addressing here. So go ahead. So it starts off, he's got Luke 15, 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And the article starts by saying, and again, he's got that link, the five unfair criticisms of large churches, it's time to drop. And so in response to that, he says, church used to be a much more local phenomenon. Your church was inevitably in your neighborhood. There are rarely outsiders besides new people from the neighborhood convinced to come to church by their neighbors concerned for their state of their their eternal souls. <laughs> With the advent of social media and the internet, however, things expanded as they did in every area of life. There has been a movement afoot for several decades now, a perfect storm of heresy brewing, if you will, that has led us to the state we are in now, where the enemy is ready to unleash the apostate church in these end times. Those who refuse to bow the knee to the corporate bastardization of the body of Christ already have felt that unleashing as our cries as watchmen are often greeted with anger, hatred, and mocking. There is nothing new under the sun, beloved as this is, what Noah experienced as well when he built a boat for a hundred years and it had never rained before. He had me at that opening paragraph. I was yeah. just like, that is it's genius. But did you see that? I mean, the corporate bastardization of the body of Christ. Yeah. That's exactly what this is, and it's it's this is the apostate church in the end times yeah. because I can't think of anybody else but Jen Hatmaker. Yeah, I keep going back to that, and I, I discovered that I didn't realize that their church there in Austin, Texas, uh, in Austin, mm -hmm. they were Methodist. So that makes a, a whole lot of lot sense, of sense yeah. as far as that. And I was like, oh wow, but <laughs> apparently she didn't start off all like full Methodist. Yeah, no. And I don't know. I don't want to talk, give her any more time. But anyway, I just think of the things that she writes and she comes up with. The same thing with, um, you know, Rachel Hollis and and all the other. Yeah. It, but it's this this same attitude, and even the sermon that I listened to from that church. It's the brother, same. Yeah. yeah, it's the same attitude where we are, we're changing it. We are we are progressing, you know. This well, because the, we've seen it on Instagram. The like box crazy. of orthodoxy is now looked at as just traditions of old white yeah, men that are yeah. keeping us down, instead right. of being the things that are biblically sound yeah, that yeah, we do not deviate like, from. Because right. if you deviate from them, you're no longer biblically sound. Yep. Well, and that's I think interesting in this point here, where he notes about you know the importance how church was such a local thing um, coming from Southern California. I didn't realize this until we moved to the Southeast yeah. and there is a church on like every stinking corner. Right. <laughs> and so being in, and, and even like Charlotte, the original city was this like wagon wheel shape and everything led to the main churches and all of that stuff. I mean, you don't understand how it literally was. Your church was right there. So you're, it's not that those were the only people you saw on Sundays or Wednesdays when you went to church. Like that was your neighbor. Those were the people you saw going to work, coming from work. You 
you possibly worked with, you, you saw them at church, like everything was just so different than how it is now. Like so often families travel. I mean, we've, I had know some people that travel 30 minutes to over an hour every week to go to their church. Like it's so not their local area. And like we were talking with your doctor today. So the churches now have to create these small groups and these other things, host these, these dinners and stuff so that people can get to know each other because because they never see each other you see each other Mm -hmm. at service and that's it like it's not a i always thought i really always thought that was weird yeah it was almost that like that was one thing that i grew up little that i remember you didn't really see because i mean in the one church that i grew up was a little bit larger and i'm like you didn't really see these people all the time they were just the church people you were just the church people yeah it's like that it's weird but it's crazy because when you look at and that was our call to try to do church a little more like how it was originally done because it's very community laden, you know, and all of these things. Now it's just so different. So anyways, continuing on in the article. In 1995, Rick Warren published the guide for pastors to follow him into the abyss known as the purpose driven church. Oh, he, this point is so great. Um, yeah. This outlined the new model for what he referred to as church growth. It required a cult of personality preacher who acted as the CEO and vision caster. Yeah. Which, oh my gosh, if you hear like Stephen Furtick talk about this, oh, well, I mean, this was, I remember this book was sold even in our Joshua Springs. Oh, yeah, our home church that we came This is something that Calvary Chapel, the Calvary Chapel that we came from promoted. Oh, yeah. My mom, oh my gosh, she she had the purpose driven life. She bought it for every, I mean, everybody ate this up. You, how confused. They were to oh, completely to a lot of extent because they hold to way different doctrine than Rick Warren does. Yeah. Rick Warren's doctrine is completely separate from what Calvary Chapel traditionally but tends to hold book, to. But this book, man, everybody ate but this But everybody up. ate this up. And this, we don't know. We didn't realize how even this this how demonic this was was back in 1995 because this is again nothing is new under the sun this is not new these teachers aren't new these are the same things that paul was combating in the first century so it's it's not that you know he he's done something just completely unprecedented but for our time and for the fact of how how large how how much this how this expands into universal i mean this is just universal i guess is what i'm reaching at because is this is our downfall and i i do believe that this is our final yeah our final chance i mean we've today was sent um possibly even do a uh, podcast on that later but the billy crone did a uh, point of no return yeah. uh, study which was amazing well and again if we look but prophetically over all of time these huge things in if you look starting in the old testament and working through these huge mm-hmm. things happen in 2000 year increments right. usually well guess how long it's been since jesus's well death, yeah. resurrection and Billy was break, Billy was going through like I have gone before, going through the Book of Romans and yep. pointing out everything that we're dealing with. And he was showing that he's like, "Look, this is even this is in the church. You have to understand that this is 
These are believers that this is speaking of. These are your false teachers. Yeah, the these world's going to do the world. Right, it's the world's going to be the world. It's what's in the church, this, right? That we're like, hey, look. And up. then your nation show begins to show the wrath of abandonment of God yep. by the things that you're dealing with. Yep. Like the level of homosexuality and murder. Whole Foods now is ho- going to be hosting a drag queen story time something something whatever like it's gonna be that's 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 all indication of a nation our, that look has at our no rates God. of abortion look at our rates of murder and crime and i mean and, that's, on and, on. and that was part of that Great idolatry and that's and that's <laughs> what more are we waiting for yeah it's not sitting here being doom and gloom you're it's, not waiting for the other shoe to drop you're watching no. the other and shoe i'm drop. not <laughs> and i'm not it's not doom and gloom like oh it's over i'm like i'm telling you this is it <laughs> like this is this is it how but long this, this can go i don't encourage know. one another right. with this is encouraging for the christian this right. is encouragement does this mean that we throw up our hands and not do anything absolutely no. not we fight this to yes. to tell the time of christ tell the time he returns and that's what we're because doing. Because we don't want one to perish. We, no, absolutely not. And we stand up for this and we snatch others from the fire and out of this. And I'm wrestling with a couple different podcast topics now, man, because I don't, I'm not like, I don't want to start the argument, but this is where I do really understand the book of James. And that's why it was there is faith without works is dead. It has to be a literal application to your faith. I just and read in my biblical to woman live, here today, yeah. And you have to live day by day a literal application of this and do these things and be separate. Like, so we, because we want to just go and just toss out our Christianity, like, I'm saved, I'm good. I can live whatever life. I can do whatever I want. I can be immoral. I can waste my time. I can be even involved in the cares and affairs of this I can world. I love this world yeah. and still claim you know, to love the Lord. Guess and, what? And, You're a liar. And that's a scary can't. one for me. And that was one. That's one of the ones that I'm really wrestling with because that that what does it mean to be in love with the world so much yeah. that what does that look that like in a, in a real Lord perspective? The, world, the only yeah. thing that I can think of is somebody that can't think past the, the their career and yeah. their retirement yeah. and making sure that they're set up and making in sure that they're okay and, and do this. And, and like James says, if the Lord wills it, yep. this is what you should say. It's not that you should be you know, obviously irresponsible and not think about these things, but to make this your number one, to right. And to make this your number one goal and focus. And most of the time, a bigger barn to, because guess what you go and you focus on your retirement in your future. This is regardless of whatever you want to say about it. This is focusing on your own well-being in this life. Look at the families that have written into us and the women are like, I, I know that, you know, scripture does say that I should desire to be at home and raising my children and doing all these things. But I mean, I've got to be paying into my retirement. I've got to do this. I got to do that. Like, how do I balance the two? And I'm like, whoa, 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 balance. the Well, two. there's no balance. There's absolutely none. Yeah. It's one or the other. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. 
God doesn't desire you to be, it's not this poverty gospel either. Apparently that's a thing now yeah. that's get, becoming huge. Where the more you torture yourself. Where the more you poverty, torture like, yourself, the more, the more you absolutely not. And there's, Paul is very clear in saying that you, it shouldn't be to where you're making it hard on yourself. So that, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. However, most of the time, if be honest. So you're telling me when you get older, if you're sitting there, you're going, yep, I was thinking of God that whole time during my career. Yep. No, you weren't. Because the same person, the same kids. person doesn't think about the fact that there's people dying that he knows that don't know the Lord. And he's going, but nothing else matters. I highly recommend, especially on this topic of retirement, savings, funds, things of this nature, just money stewardship in general. Randy Alcorn is like nail on the head because, again, he is very heavenly minded and his he is very honest and raw on this topic he's got books and blogs and youtube video all kinds of stuff on this so if this is an area that like you're wrestling with highly recommend him because he's fantastic at it yeah we have zero retirement anything so we're not the people to ask about (laughs) how we found that line you know but i was i had this conversation i had it on uh, this week just did just this week with my with one of my my close relatives all right and we were both talking about it and we were just like what do you do? What do you do? All right. Back to the article. Yep. Um, okay. So talking about this purpose. So it's all Rick Warren's fault. It's all Rick Warren's fault is basically what it's we're getting basically at. basically <laughs> what I'm going to get blamed Pur- for. Purpose-driven uh, church and requiring, <laughs> um, a, sorry for Brandon coughing, a cult, sorry. cult-like personality preacher acting as a CEO and vision caster, which that whole vision caster thing is a, is thing a huge thing. It required a shift from a church focused on the spiritual growth of the sheep to the carnal enticement of the goats. This is huge, you guys. Lastly, through through something Warren dubbed blessed subtraction. The per- yeah, yeah, let's we'll get there. The purpose-driven church encouraged pastors to drive sheep out of the sheepfold for any disagreement. This combined with the seeker-friendly theories of church growth, which compromised the gospel in order to draw the unsaved. Now, that whole um, encourage pastors to drive sheep out of the sheepfold for any disagreement. Yes. uh, We can attest to growing up to that. Oh, yeah. And in this. We saw that. This is in this time period. I mean, a little bit later. But this is basically in this time period. It's like super storming outside. Do you hear it? Yeah. It's like. Sorry. Out of nowhere. I just hear like. Like come rushing down. But that's what it is. And you know what's funny is looking at this. There's a very, very popular pastor that people love. And we literally on multiple occasions have watched him. Because Brandon watches so many pastor sermons, you guys. He's constantly like. Literally seven days a week, he is watching multiple sermons by multiple people of multiple walks. Um, some because he knows what they're preaching is wrong, <laughs> and some because yeah. he knows they're good, solid teachers and he's learning from them. But literally standing up there before these huge congregations, and I mean literally the, the telecast of this is going to countries all over the world, stating jokingly with people applauding him and cheering, 
I'm not here to feed you. I'm here to win souls to Christ. If you need bread, you need more than you need to go somewhere else. I'm not here for you. I'm here just to get butts in the door. But this is a huge issue. Cannot believe you just. Our lives out in the world is what brings people to church. In church is where you are fed and you grow and you learn. Back to the article. Sermons went from an hour and a half to a half hour. Secular music started to seep into worship, and eventually, newer worship music abounded. Any sense of biblical, or sorry, sorry, to seep into worship, and eventually, newer worship music abandoned any sense of biblical accuracy. Wow! See, that's where I was like, "Look, guys, I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one that's telling you all this." We've this been is talking a, about the music stuff. This is and a warning. People, we start getting the dislikes. In the me- people don't like it. We get like the messages. And the di- like yeah, it. this is all the. This is where the negative stuff comes from when you start saying this, and it's like, but, but I like this music. But it makes me feel everything good. is but 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 yeah. or I don't like that. Yeah. So I don't like you, and I'm not going to listen to you anymore because you're saying stuff. That's I don't like. not right. And then yeah. if if it helps me with my walk with Jesus, well, then you're wrong. If I feel close to Jesus when I sing this and nothing else matters. Okay. Do you, the problem <laughs> that people that are dealing with that, that are looking out for you is the fact that this is what's seeping in and try just because you don't understand what's going to harm the flock. Mm-hmm doesn't mean that you shouldn't trust what's coming out of somebody that's seriously trying to warn you about these things. Exactly. Because this is something that can be very, very damaging. Sure, it's something that you can't see, and I understand that. I think most people understand that because you get the innocent questions, and then you get people sure, with going, of course. wow, I'd never, ever thought of it like that. Like, I never, ever... You know, I, I never, never contemplated, never that. contemplated it. And man, now I'm going to go through everything and, and think of it that way. So, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I'm super glad for those. But for the most part, people don't want to hear any of that. Mm-hmm. And they get, and they get super angry. defensive and they yeah. just start. That's when they just start throwing jabs. And it's like, look. Oh, people say the nastiest stuff to us. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like, like it's, I'm just talking look, about this stuff. I understand, and I understand that you like it, and you think that it's making you on like the next level with Jesus. But the problem is, is that it can kill you. Yep. Just like I keep my little daughter out of the, you know, out of the bottom cabinet next to the sink because there's stuff in there that can literally kill her. You don't need music like, to get you close to Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's like, I'm you sorry, you don't. You need Jesus to get you close right, to yeah, Jesus. I'm sorry. Like, no, you don't need to get involved in that because that will kill you. Yeah. You may not understand it right now, but you don't need to get in that cupboard. And that's what this stuff is because this is literally where it started. They they It started on just coasting back on the gospel, taking the gospel at it, taking yeah. sermons going from an hour and a half to a half hour. You see this left. Hey. The beginning of this podcast, what we were just talking about. Yeah. This is a podcast, yeah. right? Our Because our attention is only 30 minutes. Yeah. And you better entertain us. And I mentioned in my seat by the end of that, because, man, I got things and to I've do. And I've even heard, like, people go, you know what? I need to go to church. I need to feel better today. I need Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that's a problem. That's where all of this comes from. So If you're not being fed unless you're sitting in a church... You have a lot. You've you got should so be fed issues. by your church. Sure, you, you should. should be. You should. But if you are only yeah. being fed, 
by sitting in your church like, man, I just I just needed to get I've to never church. Been, we've never been anti-church and told you that you need to get Not out. Not at of, all. We've never we been highly like recommend that. We highly you recommend have you go. A church, you know, and that yeah, but absolutely. a true church, and I'm not this nonsense. Yeah, not this. This is garbage. But so, so just to understand that there's people that are tr- honestly trying to look out for you, and this is an honest problem. Yeah, and hopefully this will continue to explain a little bit more. So he goes on to say, salvation in the purpose-driven life was reduced to eight words. <sighs> the object was no longer to save people, but rather to church them. To convince them that they were saved in an effort to make them come back the following week. Rick Warren in 2012 penned an op-ed to pastors encouraging them to not preach the gospel on Easter Sunday so they can give the visitors a reason to come back the following week. That is the embodiment of how the church is run today. It's all about marketing. What do I do to make you feel good enough? Not push any of your buttons that really make you, you know, get upset and worked up out of over things, regardless of how true biblically they are. Ask me what Rick Warren's kingdom theology is. Oh Heidi. Lord, here we go, <laughs> you guys! I'm telling you everything. You guys think you're sick of hearing him talk about the kingdom? Well, you know, but how do you right think he gets every a, single time? How do you think he gets away with everything that he gets away with? I know. When you make this God's kingdom, <sighs> all you gotta people do is all grow. All you gotta do is church things. people. Yeah. So. With these two forces as the foundation, they combined with the emerging New Apostolic Reformation. We're going to refer to it as the NAR. Um, Brandon has multiple ones he wants to do on the New Apostolic Reformation just by themselves because that is a topic in and of itself. Um, We've actually had people message me before and they go, are you guys New Apostolic? (laughs) Remember, I didn't know what the term was. I was like, honey, are we New Apostolic? And you were like, oh, Yeah, or Apostolic, yeah, that's (laughs) what Apostolic, yeah. Anyways, um, with these, I'll read it again. With these two forces as the foundation, they combined with the emerging NAR at the turn of the century. False signs and lying wonders filled church houses across the land as the Toronto outpouring of heresy and the Pensacola demonic movement were deemed legitimate moves of the Holy Spirit. Places like IHOP and Bethel. You probably know Bethel from their music. Again, see how these things go hand in hand? That's the problem. They began to emerge targeting the youth so they could have the next generation believing that barking like a dog or twitching uncontrollably must be from God. I messaged somebody in our church family that is probably listening to this before we got started with this podcast, but Bethel Church, who most of you love their music, Bethel and Jesus Culture, you guys eat it right up, you get very defensive about it. Bethel is literally selling prophetic Uno cards. Like... This is for real. This is happening. It blows your mind. And people uh, just. Prophetic Udo. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, the, did you Anybody? really Anybody? just say prophetic Udo? Yes, I did. Anyways, this, of course, led the way for Todd Bentley to pack 15,000 a night into tent meetings in Lakeland, Florida, to watch him kick people in the face and punch them in the stomach to impart healing. The final piece of the demonic toxic stew was the idol worship of America brought to the church from the NAR. The Seven Mountains Mandate Heresy would secure the older generation as the apostate church actively seeks and worships the state. Again, talking about all this political stuff lately we have done, if you guys go back, people get very angry about this stuff, but all of this stuff goes hand in hand in these issues. Statism is a cult, this, this worship of this. 
The deliverance vehicle for this perfect storm of heresy is the megachurch. The mm. megachurch allows zero accountability and the aloofness needed for the cult of personality preachers to never get directly questioned. Of course, if any serious questions ever arose, the troublemakers would be deemed as agitators and removed via blessed subtraction. Blessed subtraction. I mean, you look at like elevation and so yep. like, they have security that yeah, removes you anything. And that's how we've asked. We're like, church should be a time to ask questions, to get your questions asked. And we've asked people that are, you know, they, they are constantly making excuses for their church and their mega church. And I go, okay, so if you, if, if your pastor Sunday is preaching something and you know that it, it there is something off there, can you just, dis- can you raise your hand and, and discuss that right there in front of it? Well, no, I mean, you'd have to afterwards go up to him or get a meeting later in the week. He's a busy guy or yada. I'm like, but, but then he just directed everybody listening down a path of something wrong maybe innocently i'm not saying you did it purposely maybe innocently but you should be able to address these things so in your church if something is wrong or is off or maybe it's even a simple miss you misspoke on something i mean because that happens we're all human but could you address that right then and there in your church i don't know many people that could say yes to that and in these big movements your elevation your hillsong churches the thunder is nuts. You guys probably got um, that. That was pretty cool. But in your, you know, Elevation, your Hillsong Churches, Bethel, any of these big ones, nobody, what Jeffers Church in Texas, I mean, all of these yeah, places. First Baptist. First Baptist, yeah. You couldn't address any of that stuff there with the congregation. Absolutely present. not. You'd get removed. Yeah. Um, bless subtraction. Yeah, bless subtraction. You get, and they don't even take the time afterwards to go. I mean, Bethel might, oh my gosh, in a couple different thunder. ways, they might sit there and argue. That's so cool. We've the got power so of Leonard. God. I, like, know, I don't amazing. know. It gets me every time. Um, so cool. Anyway, but yeah, I know MacArthur's been. Um, he had people that have asked him to stay back so they could give him a rebuke, and he's been willing to listen, as everyone should. Um, but you know, yeah, as far as like elevation and stuff like that, I mean, as soon as something comes out of the preacher's mouth like that, you should they, you know, some heresy like you should be able to stand and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Wait a minute. And like, maybe you misunderstood. Is, maybe they misspoke. I, I mean, whatever it is. But if it's but not no, addressed there in front now. of everyone. We haven't had thunder like this in a while. And I this feel like we've been, been having really some big storms. Nice thunder, yeah. um, but everybody, they're like, oh, my gosh, when is summer over? So these guys will stop having thunderstorms because I think we talk about it every day. <laughs> but anyways, if you can't address these things in front of everybody else who's hearing them, Putting out a retractment statement on the pamphlet next week, like that's not enough to fix these things. And I doubt that even happens normally. So anyways, the above link is to a recent article from Carrie Nywolf, who is considered a church leadership expert. This is an entire new field that has grown out of the purpose-driven church storm. Like the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, Nywolf mixes utterly carnal leadership practices with a breathtakingly poor understanding of scripture to promote the apostate church. Let us reason together through this latest offering where he gives his top five unfair criticisms of megachurches, which he feels we need to drop. So, these are the arguments... Isn't it funny? Our rooster, Andy, he always crows at the thunder. I've noticed that every time he sits out there and crows at it. It cracks me up, though. You just hear him going off. Okay, so this is the first one that he has on here. It says, this is that Carrie Nywolf guy that the we told you this article linked at the top. When you think of large churches and mega churches, what comes to mind? 
If there's one thing I learned from writing about the church, it's that some people hate mega churches with a passion, which it's funny because so many of you have written and you either went to a mega church, currently attend a mega church, or you go to a church that is a wannabe mega church. It's always one of the three, usually. Yeah, I, I'm not, we don't ever go as far as to say is that there aren't some mega churches that, tr- that preach. Sure, that, yeah. That preach they would just be in the minority. I try not to engage the trolls and the haters in the comments on my blog. Engaging them just gives them what they want. But I've also noticed that even among normally more balanced and nuanced church leaders, it's easy to take swipes at megachurches, which, like you just said, there is a fair point to, yes. Sometimes I wonder how much of that is born out of envy, a sense of inferiority. Inferiority. Is this... Yeah, it really is. We might have to go outside for a second. A sense of inferiority or simple misunderstanding. But after years of hearing people complain about large churches and mega churches, it might be good to revisit the subject more intentionally. Okay, so that's what Carrie just said about it. Now the article here goes back to say, Now I have met people who prefer the intimacy of a small church and others who prefer the anonymity allowed in a mega church. But I have never met anyone who hated a mega church. Interesting that he admits up front he will only engage in those who agree with him as this is a cornerstone of purpose-driven theology. That is the entire point of blessed subtraction. If we disagree, we are branded as trolls or haters so that the substance never has to be addressed. Then he goes on to say, then for the more balanced people who disagree, well, they must be envious. Now, this may be true for some pastors who drank the purpose-driven Kool-Aid and have the yet to find their mega destiny. Kool-Aid. But for others, it is simply a matter of calling evil by its name. But we see that. I mean, look at the yeah. hate messages that we get yeah. from people. And it's like, well, you just don't understand. You just, I mean, we constantly get the same Yeah, type it's the of picking messages. on. These are the always ones that get the dislikes and the mm-hmm. defense and the, the one story like this pastor help them throughout their and every time we whatever. always ask show me scripturally where we misspoke because we do not claim to be mm-hmm. know-it-alls we do not claim to be perfect we do not claim anything mm-hmm. anything at all other than be horrible sinful wretches that need yeah. a savior that's the only thing we claim and so we say if we misspoke please show me scripturally where we were off and we have yet to have one person who could actually show well it's not because backing. everything is just either progressive or uh personally motivated yeah and that's the one thing that we constantly have to remind people we're like look this isn't about you yeah i don't i'm sorry that this hits a a chord with you and i'm not trying to of course not but you have to speak in truth and then like i said i was so happy when justin peters posted this because this just gives a little you know some more legitimate voice to this very serious issue and he's saying things like you know watchmen and like i said at the end of this he just wraps it up perfectly so let's get there so his next point a while back someone left this comment on and and this is that carrie and i were talking a while back someone left this comment on about some large church pastors who burned out wish these guys would get wise and start obeying scripture and follow the new testament model of interdependent churches under presbytery rule with representatives 
Of course, these preachers get burned out. They've made themselves the linchpins of megachurches. They should get burnt out. It's a bad model of church government on many fronts, and it's actually from the mercy of God that these men burn out. Churches are meant to be small, tightly knit communities, not splashy corporations. You build a monster, you get devoured, or you become a monster. Burnout of megachurch pastors probably saves souls. Burnout of megachurch pastors saves souls? I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. Somebody actually wrote this. Sigh. <laughs> Are megachurches perfect? No. But no church is perfect, including a small and mid-sized churches. Even on a simple logical level, saying all megachurches are bad is like saying all small or all mid-sized churches are bad. It's just a simplistic wow. and illogical thinking. And for the record, I'm a fan of small churches, of any size church that wants to reach its community. There's nothing wrong with small church. There's something wrong with dead church. Well, That's that Carrie Nywolf. So the response here says. I love his response. Yes, Carrie. Someone actually wrote this because it is true. <laughs> I may not agree in totality, but the vast majority of mega churches compromise the gospel and thus present a false Christ who cannot actually save anyone. Oh, I. Oh. Read Matthew 7 and see I mean, how that turns out for the folks vast... who are saying, Lord, Lord. The burnout of Perry Noble, for example, clearly saved souls. If Joel Osteen gets burned out and retired, I cannot count the number of souls that would be saved. Now I agree that it is not logical to paint with a broad brush and say that every church with 2,000 in weekly attendance must be bad. But the vast majority are bad. And I yep. know this by their fruit and by the Bible. Yeah. The gospel divides people. Uh, yes. Here is the foundational is. problem for people like Carrie Nywolf. They view the size of the church to determine its health. Yep, and that's a huge issue. It's just funny because we grew up, the school that we went to, the church that we attended, both of our families, was a, a mega church in the making of its day. And it was so funny because when all of that um, fell apart in our families my family first your family really stayed in it for a while longer but when we left and went to our small little itsy bitsy church that we still miss dearly mm -hmm. you know that's where it was like so much the, the fruit of that small little itsy bitsy one room church versus that huge ginormous church with a winning football team and a observatory and a gym and all of the things right. was i mean night and day yeah and the there is one so important point here that I, I can't even stress enough, but I'm a vast majority of the mega churches compromise the gospel yep, and thus present a false Christ who cannot actually save anyone. Read Matthew seven and see how that turns out for fo folks who are saying, Lord, Lord. Well, look at on Easter Sunday, right? It's a big thing. How many people can I dunk in a tank and real quick? And this is it. How do and those people actually know Christ and are actually saved? You know, and I hate to see this through the lens of specifics, but I just think of the person that's living the rat race nine to five, yeah. and we, we just, just lost, lost power. power. <laughs> oh, and it just back. came back. Okay. My computer has a battery. Your so computer going, has yeah, a okay. battery. All right. Well, we weren't sure if we were going to pause, but <laughs> we just lost power for a second. We're telling you guys the storm going on this outside. This is a gnarly is nuts storm. Right now. But it, it came back. We're good. 
So it'll just be upload time that this will affect yeah. the podcast. But anyway, um, I, that's funny when I, the minute that I say it's a false Christ, you cannot actually save anyone. Yeah, our power goes out. Right, the power goes out. Read Matthew 7 and the folks that are saying, Lord, Lord. Didn't I do that? And like I said, my my mind can't keep go, like can't help from just going to somebody that's living that that rat race and actually yeah. is caught up in something. And you know what? It could be innocent. Sure, completely. Because you could be thinking that you're doing like us, doing the the correct things. And even we we definitely weren't the perfect model, but I use us in a couple different ways. Um, but I, I, you know, I guess if there was even a more perfect version of the way that we did it, things, sure. you know, of like, you know, your house and your children and saving up for your children's college to make sure that they doing all the they things. are attending a, you know, great school to send them out into the to the world. And, you know, you're constantly worried about your retirement and your future, but you're family is suffering you're you know there's so many different things that are that are suffering um but yet well we get all our crap together on sunday no matter how we feel about each other no matter if we're hating or fighting or how much yeah. ever we you know even care how tired we thing. are from you know hanging out on friday night and saturday you know too late on friday and then all saturday and then going to church on sunday yeah um you still do the thing you still put on the show but you know but we still uh, put on the show no matter how we feel about each other no matter any of that stuff but and so you just go to church and then you think you're doing everything correct but then monday starts again and right back to the world you're right back to the world you're talking about the football game you're talking about the bachelorette you know, all these worldly things none of and not glorifying god at all no. and not giving god any time of day at all yet and yeah whether you like it or not there's these these things are grievous towards god when you're completely ignoring him for your own your own life you think Jesus won't pay the light bill, so you've got to somehow put Jesus on pause and live your your normal everyday life. And it's not like you could live with Jesus on your back all day. Yeah, because you've got, this is the real world. I mean, we have stuff to take care of. What, you're just supposed to sit around and wait on God? Why? Yeah. Can you explain to me where you see something else in Scripture that tells you that? Yep. It's not there. Matter of fact, it tells you specifically we just went over it in a podcast recently, but let those who have dealings with the world as they have no yeah. dealings. Well, we had someone so, who told us that we literally needed, they're like, you do realize you need to take scripture with a grain of salt. You yeah, can't take it all literally. This, yeah. yeah, we had somebody tell us that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. doke Well, then guess what? Don't say didn't warn you when you you're go up running there up saying, Lord, saying, Lord, Lord. Lord. He says, get out of here. And he's going, see ya. I never knew you. I didn't know who you are. Somebody has to fit that bill. Who Somebody has to be the is? group that gets spit out. This isn't, these are the people that are are doing this. These aren't people that are caught in direct apostasy, indirectly sinning. They think they're they doing think the things. They think they're doing the right things. Yeah. But they really love the world and they don't love God. Yeah. 
this is scriptural. What do you, what what group do you think that that fits? Somebody and has this to is be a that. this is a false Christ that these teachers are preaching in this music, and he he just makes the point beautiful of of bringing up Matthew seven in there about that. So go ahead and continue reading though. Okay, so and yes, the the size of the church determines its health. Yeah, like our, I mean, sorry to interrupt you again, but like our home church. Yeah, we. I I cherish that we are small because we have the most real, great, true people who love Jesus. Well, like we've said I've before, if we met. had thousands and thousands of people, how could you and I, even with well, hundreds and hundreds. it's funny because he, he goes on to yeah. speak about this. Okay. But go ahead. Going on. He says, so a small church could be small because it's dead, but it never occurs to Nywolf that a mega church could be huge because it's dead. <laughs> Does yep. anyone think that people flock to Lakewood Church because Pastor Joel Osteen preaches the gospel? It is the <laughs> opposite reason, beloved. Yeah. The key verse teaches us that heaven rejoices when one sinner repents, not mega churches filled with people. Yep. Narrow is the way, and those who find it are few. Yep. Now back to a quote from Carrie Nywolf of this thing. And occasionally when small churches start to reach new people, they become mid-sized churches. And then before you know it, some of them become a larger church. Then what? If you're against church growth, you're against the basic mission of the church to reach people. So what happens when a church starts to grow? Do you shut the growth down? Do you get bad at what you do so you stop reaching people? Or do you keep your churches smaller on purpose and multiply, by the way, that's now called multi-site? The logical issue alone with slamming large churches are riddled with problems, but it's even deeper than that. So here are five criticisms of large churches it's finally time to drop. And then the article goes back to say, Let's clarify something that Nywolf always seems to get wrong. The basic mission of the church is not simply to reach people. Read Acts chapter 2 and see that it is left to God to grow the body of Christ. Salvation is entirely a work of God. He decides who and how many get saved. You are confusing people who say the eight-word prayer and are willing to come back to serve in the parking lot ministry with people who have repented and are now truly saved. The issue is not the size of the church, but what you did and did not do in order to achieve that size. A What you did or did not do to achieve that size. Yep. So... Um, oh, this is funny. He goes, I see Mars Hill down here. He's got that. Okay, so this is back into Carrie um, Nywolf's article of these things that need to be dropped. So number one, it's a one man or one woman show. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that a large church is a one person show. That's because, quite naturally, most of us think of the founder or senior leader when we think of a large church. There are some large churches where that isn't the case, but they're the exception. As a rule, most large churches hardly behave like a one-man or one-woman show. They are actually teams of highly skilled leaders around the point leader. Anyone who says a large organization is a one-man show doesn't understand what's required to lead a large, complex, let alone multi-site organization. You simply have to have dozens to hundreds of capable staff and thousands of capable volunteers. In reality, 
Far more small churches are one-man or one-woman shows than large churches. It is far more likely that a small church or a mid-sized church, say 400 to 600 people, is a one-person show because it is possible for the leader to do pretty much everything. That breaks down entirely once your church is larger than 1,000 in attendance. In fact, your church will never sustainably grow to 1,000 people if it's a one-person show run entirely by the leader. While the reason for Mars Hill's collapse five years, years ago are complex, I talk about them and blah, 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 you can argue that it wasn't sustainably built because it imploded when Mark Driscoll left. But New Spring and Crosspoint churches have done very well under new leadership since the founding pastors left. For more on the encouraging story of Crosspoint, uh, I don't know, you don't need to listen to that. Um, no, yeah, you just blame me for doing that. No, I'm not going to sit here and advertise for the guy that is saying the things that are clearly wrong. I mean, people, if they really want to go find it, they can go read the article, but I'm not going to read that. And many other very large churches have gone through changes in leadership successfully. Southeast Christian grew significantly after its founder left and is now on the third generation of succession. Why do their leaders keep leaving? You don't find that interesting? Yeah. Christ Fellowship in Florida is thriving and its founder left. Gene Apple handed over a very large Christian Center church in Las Vegas to Judge Wilhite, who has led it unprecedented growth and expansion over 15 years. People who say large churches are a one-man shows don't understand large churches, period. And now the response to that, which is awesome. Yeah, no, period. Nywolf's is making a nuance and silly point. No one has ever suggested that no one else works at megachurches besides the pastor. If anything, the pastor does not work enough in the purpose-driven paradigm because they outsource all of the pastoral functions to lower pastoral staff. That is not what we are talking about when we correctly state that megachurches are organized around the principle of a singular public speaker and that has charisma and draws people in. Do you honestly think that if Joel Osteen left tomorrow that Lakewood would thrive? Is Andy Stanley's top assistant ready to take over the entire ministry? Doubt it. If Rick Warren left Saddleback, do you think anyone else would leave the church too? The reasons for the collapse of Mars Hill are not complex. They had an arrogant ass of a leader, Mark Driscoll, who stole $250,000 of tithes to cheat the New York Times bestseller list. He also widely abused the very people he was supposed to lead and once bragged about blessed subtraction by referring to his victims as a pile of dead bodies he was leaving in his wake. That is not really too complex, Carrie. I cannot speak to the ones that survived, although I am sure the New Spring congregants were glad to see Perry Noble shuffle off into obscurity. Point two from Carrie Nywolf's article. The people who attend are blind sheep. First of all, if you think the people who attend large churches are all blind sheep, why don't you ask them if that's the case? After all, it's a pretty insulting accusation. If you visit most megachurches, you won't find blind sheep. You will find leaders. Actually, most often you'll find capable leaders, independent men and women who appreciate the level of purpose, thoughtfulness, and mission behind many of today's larger churches. I'm not saying leaders don't also go to smaller, mid-sized churches, but they are also, perhaps predominantly, become engaged in large churches. Why? Well, because great leaders tend to gravitate towards churches and organizations that are well-led. They want to be well-led in church because that's what they're used to in the marketplace and in life. Is that combining the world and church in one? Okay. Right. Issues, anyone? Okay, continuing on. Great leaders attract great leaders. 
they use, they're used to leaders and teams of leaders who know how to make critical decisions to advance a collective cause and who can lead and manage complex organizations. By contrast, yep, capable leaders avoid poorly led organizations and churches. <coughs> churches become such a stinking industry like everything yeah, it's else. an industry. So the response here says the arrogance here is staggering. Let me break this down I for love you. That. Leaders are attracted to megachurches for the money. As Carrie likes to say, period. Yeah. Some for the fame and notoriety, but at the end of the day, they're just as carnal as you or I. People like Nywolf, who promote the megachurch model, never seem to admit the obvious. Megalomaniacs like to run megachurches, or else they become politicians, entertainment icons, yeah. or corporate executives. That's why they're so good at public speaking. They may convince themselves that the larger church means more people reach for Jesus, but if the salary package is underwhelming, let's see how fast God speaks to their heart that this is not the right season. As for the accusation, I would not say that the people at Lakewood are blind sheep because that somehow implies that they are all saved. Most likely, they're not at all. They are more, much more likely to be blind goats. According to Romans, the preaching of the uncompromised gospel of Jesus is the only way someone gets saved. And since we know Joel Olstein doesn't preach that gospel, or if he does, he's hiding it really well, the math is pretty simple. If this gate is so narrow and these churches are pumping out numbers so huge, what does that tell you? It tells you that either scripture is lying and the gate isn't actually that narrow and this isn't that difficult, or a lot of these people who think they're saved and think they're Christians washed in the blood of Christ don't know Christ because the one they know is false. And then it's funny and because the other side will, will give you a quick rebuke and saying, okay, well, you're being a, a, a faith or a workspace Christian now. Nope, 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 nope. Not, not at, at all. All right, third point here by Carrie Nywolf. Big churches don't produce real disciples. Of all the criticism, this one stings me the most personally, mainly because it's just not true. And while I haven't led a gigantic church personally, I'm, I'm a founding pastor of a large church with 1,500, and this criticism always chased our ministry. Start with the basics. What is a disciple? Someone who has decided to trust Jesus as their savior. But how do you know whether they're following Jesus? Jesus actually gave, gave us a very practical test that helps us tell. He simply said, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In other words, look at someone's life for the evidence. Knowledge, as the Apostle Paul pointed out, is not spiritual maturity. Knowledge makes you arrogant. And arrogance isn't a mark of Christian maturity. If you go to a megachurch, you will discover thousands of people whose lives look more like Jesus a few <laughs> years down the road than they ever did before. You'll discover people who have placed their faith in Jesus and who are being transformed by the love of God. And you'll discover that in small and mid-sized churches, too. You'll know who isn't being transformed and by love, the critics. Think about that for a while and maybe worry about that as well. So the response here, I can imagine, as I, as I see you over there, like yeah, spitting steaming. in your seat. Absolutely horrible. What Carrie is advocating <laughs> here is a lack of knowledge. You don't want to read the Bible. Yeah. That will make you arrogant. 
Let the cult of personality preacher dude give you his condensed and highly paraphrased version of the Bible. When promising the Holy Spirit for believers, Jesus did not say he would lead you into all love. He said all <laughs> truth. It seems that for the purpose-driven industrial complex, the more ignorant you are, the better. People who claim transformation without knowledge are not being transformed by God, beloved, not even close. They are the reason Jesus asked, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? I have that verse written on my board. Yeah, right you do. You know, what's funny is you and Travis wanted to do this theology refs where you go through different mm-hmm. pastors, good and bad, and, l- and break down these things. How do we discern what they're saying? And what's funny is you guys started with verdict of elevation, and you guys had to really spend some time looking to try to find a sermon that really had scripture in it. That's yeah. insane. That's insane that you have to work to find a... Well, the gospel. Yeah, yeah. but to find the gospel mm-hmm. truly preached in a message. And even then it's kind of... But you, yeah. you really had to look. Article goes on to say, what Carrie Nywolf is encouraging here is sheer biblical ignorance. He is leading countless down the broad path that leads only to destruction. This is why it's important. This is why we're always talking about this. You guys, it leads to destruction. It leads to eternity in yeah, hell it's for serious. people. That's why we talk about it. He might realize that if he ever picks up a Bible. So most mega churches that compromise the gospel do not, cannot produce real disciples. They can produce skyophants to repeat the catchphrases and generalizations that the industrial complex wants to spread to claim that the opposite of knowledge is love is really absurd. Fourth point. (laughs) People don't like attending large churches. This is a fun argument to spend because it sounds like what Yogi Berra said about a certain New York restaurant. Nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. While it may be true that there is a cultural trend towards smaller, the truth is people, people in continue to flock to megachurches. Studies continue to show that megachurches keep getting bigger, and there are more of them every year. And even a more recent study shows churches over 250 in attendance are more likely to be growing and seeing people become Christians. Large churches are doing a better and better job of making things smaller, too. The launch of new, smaller campuses and smaller worship spaces are models many megachurches are adopting. The paradox is that large churches keep getting larger and smaller at the same time, which is one of the reasons they keep growing larger. The response? Now, first of all, I agree that people are still flocking to the megachurch model, mostly because they will be assured of salvation without having to actually change anything. You can get lost in a megachurch and enjoy little to no accountability. As to the doing things smaller aspect, I am not buying it. I understand it is Nywolf's job to try and sell it, but the truth is that people go to megachurches so they can avoid the overly religious and irrelevant gospel and instead be entertained in exchange for the promise of a heaven they will most likely never see. That is stinking huge. That that is our job. That is our purpose here because that is something that nobody wants. I don't want people... To see, uh, to have that experience, especially innocent believers that 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 are making this decision for the world that not they're not innocent if they're doing it because it's it's following it's really just following these doctrines of demons and it's becoming selfish. Yeah, and that's the problem is it's just like you can't be that selfish. You can't do that because this is serious. A promise of a heaven you will most likely never see? 
That's huge. And he that's not his opinion. No. Because that's in scripture. He just gave you the verse. I mean, what why do you think Jesus why do you think Jesus says things like he says in Luke six forty six? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? Yeah. What are you doing? What this is the this is the wrong Jesus that we're seeing here. Well, and like you say to people, I go, okay, if I go, if I shadowed you all day and could see your thoughts and, and motives and everything, and then I went and did the same thing for a complete unbeliever, mm-hmm. would I be able to tell a difference? Yeah. Are you doing the same things, thinking the same things, worrying about the same things, focusing on the same, same things, using your money the on the same, same things? things? D- yeah. Or is it radically different? Because if it's not radically different, then I caution that you don't know the Lord. You don't know the true one and only Christ. You know a Christ. You know the one that the churches are pumping out that have no accountability. You can do whatever. It's comfortable. It makes you feel good. Maybe ruffles a feather here and there just to make it seem authentic. And you know what? This is this is on the men, too. Oh, yeah. This is on the men and the family, the believing men that point this out because this is something that the women are starting to feel i guess in my in my personal experience it seems like it's more women that are starting to feel this discomfort of this and when they're getting their husbands involved it's very difficult but this is actually on the husbands to start realizing this stuff and and, and knowing stepping this, out in this, and yeah. stepping out and, and studying this and this is on them and once they start getting, I mean, to lead your family correctly, you know, and not down this this path. It's just going straight, you know, it's a freight train to nowhere. Talking about highway to hell. This is it. Yeah, this, that you're, it's literally it. I want to, I still very, it's funny I say this, but I, I still want to get a couple tattoos. I, I thought that I was done, <laughs> and you know, once I started. Well, you know, once I started school. Well, in that imaginary life quit, where we have, like, like, all this money laying around. Yeah, and, and then that, too. No but reason. I was like, you know what? I still would get a couple because I still have a, t- a T-shirt that's got the skeleton hands on the yes. white picket fence. Yep. It's it's a sketchy tank shirt, but um, it's got the skeleton hands on the white fence, and it says American Dream. Yep. But it's, like, I got that shirt just because I was, like, blown away at the truth in it. Because it really is. It's a death trap. It's a death trap. To that picket It's a death prison. I mean, that's what it is. Yep. And I never saw, and they didn't even mean it to be biblical. No. But it is biblical in a way that 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 is just your death. And that is, you know, this could... This could put you in the category of of Christ himself going, sorry. I don't know you. I don't know you. How'd you get here? Because you don't belong. Yeah. And that's horrible. And that's something that we never want anybody to see or to face. And that's why we talk about this. And, most, and the other reason is because this... You have to guard this faith, and it's holy, and it's worth it, and it deserves more than cheapening it. And once yep. this, once you truly have the spirit, and you truly understand, and and the Lord guides you through it, it, it shows you 
how serious and how holy this is and how we need to to defend this and it should disgust you yeah these things just should absolutely just disgust you as a believer and you should want to just like you would defend your children if anybody said anything untrue about them yep you would get upset and you would defend them not let that why why don't you let that about your god yeah because if so, and I mean, he's going to take care of it, and it's not like he's some innocent victim here. But for you, why would you let somebody do that just out of pure like? Would you you would stop somebody that just ran out in front of traffic? You would stop yeah. somebody from jumping off of a bridge. You would like, stop no, them. Don't do that. You would got- you would tell them no, and you yeah. would you would try that. Why not here? Why not here? We're talking about eternity. we're talking eternity. Go ahead, because we're almost done with this article. Yeah, fifth point. And I know this is like marathon podcast. You know, it's okay. Where are we at? Uh, an hour and t- 19 minutes. Okay. Mega churches are unbiblical. So this is the fifth point from Carrie. This is a common criticism of mega churches. People don't like the lights, the structure, CEO style leadership. Probably because none of those things have any place in church, but whatever. I'm just not sure the argument stands up, though. First, the critics of megachurches are really practicing what might be called biblical forms of church. My guess is most don't get up at 5 a.m. each day before work, get together with other Christians to pray and promise each other that they won't cheat on their wives and they'll care for the poor and stay faithful to Jesus. My guess is they're not reciting ancient canticles, gathering daily in each other's homes and radically pooling their possessions to care for the poor and help other fledgling churches fuel the rapidly expanding Jesus moment. Oh. If they are, my hat's oh, off to Lord. them. This is probably a fair representation of the form of first century Christian worship. The reality, of course, is that the church has always changed, adapted, and responded to oh. changing times. Oh, wow. Organ music, now mm. seen as traditional, obscure, or even quaint, was the radical new worship of the 19th century. It's so easy to confuse the method with the mission and preferences with principles. The methods change. The mission doesn't. In fact, if you want to jeopardize the mission, never change your method. You'll become irrelevant in a generation. Just Nest and Ring have changed home security. Lyft and Uber have disrupted taxis. Airbnb has changed the hotel industry and the way we vacation. It's not that people gave up on home security, transportation, or accommodation. It's just that how we now do that has changed. Ditto with the church. There may be a day where large churches are no longer an effective way to share Christ with others. If that's the case, they'll fade. In the meantime, Mm. though, if they continue to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus, why stop him? That's the question that everybody asks. (sighs) Okay, the response. The opening argument here is just foolish, but then again, (laughs) the premise is equally foolish. I do not expect someone in the business of church to understand the things of the spirit. Is that amazing? Oh, oh, that is such a beautiful line. Whew. Preach. We'll say it one more time. Preach. I do not expect someone not in the business of church, church. to yep. understand the things of the spirit, the Holy Spirit. The concept of a megachurch is not unbiblical. It is how they became a megachurch, how they compromise the gospel and what they teach that is unbiblical. <laughs> I have seen this subterfuge from the Nywolf before. 
from Nywolf before. While the method of church delivery may have changed over the years, the gospel never changes. That is the problem with the mega church delivery. They market the church to the unsaved goats and get rid of the sheep of the Lord if they dare disagree. Yep. The CEO style of leadership is completely anti-ethical of the Bible. Yep. Andy Stanley once said that the church should stop using the word shepherd because it is no longer culturally relevant. As if God cares about the culture. He used the imagery of the shepherd for a reason that is lost on megachurches heretics like Stanley. The argument of irrelevance is in and of itself irrelevant. Realize what it says about the God we claim to serve. That he is incapable for reaching people in this generation without our help in changing what he has already ordained. The gospel does not need to change. Period. Amen. It is only fitting that Niwa finishes on a point he simply does not understand. The reason they should stop, Carrie, is that they are not leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. In Acts 20, Paul says goodbye to the elder in Ephesus and declares himself innocent of their blood because he did not hesitate from declaring to them Hmm. the entire will of God. The megachurches compromises the Bible, Carrie. Mm. It has to in order to get more goats to show up each week. The megachurch system has grown the apostate church beyond the dreams of any heretic. But in the end, Carrie, they remain apostate. The people trying to warn you about this perfect storm you are a part of are not trolls, Carrie. They are the watchmen on the wall and the voice crying out in the wilderness. They're also the reason you will not be able to say you weren't warned. Boom. Wow. <laughs> that last sentence there. Boom. He summed up. <laughs> like, I just pictured him dropping the mic, doing the whole, yeah. dropped the mic there. That this is it. You and people that defend this and people that are involved in this and, and people warned. that are just trying. Are you making excuses? Do you make excuses for your church? Do you make excuses for your pastor, for the leader? Do you make excuses for these things? Listen to these things and take them seriously. And don't say, you can't say that you weren't warned. And they did. Paul did the same thing. But you know Scripture what? Scripture over you know and over you. You know what kind of makes you, uh, what kind of makes it interesting is that Paul didn't lose any sleep over that. He no. was like, oh, Fine. I'm not going to worry about it. I I I shed tears for the ones that were walking the way, and then you ruined it. Went off and yep. and walked off and turns and and turned away because they started loving the things of this world. Yeah. And thinking that we've got to progress and change the gospel. This is toxic to our culture, our society, and this belief. Well, yeah, that whole idea that we're here and we've got to change. I mean, that line where that Carrie guy goes through and he says, well, what? I'm sure they're not reciting these ancient canticles and gathering daily in each other's homes and radically pooling their possessions to care for the poor and help other churches. Want to bet? Why isn't that happening? Why? Well, that's our whole point with looking at the early church and why we were like, 
let's do church like that because that's what it should I'm be. I'm glad that I started off this thank you that I that long thank you that I put because in there. Because if we're not doing that, then you're not being the <laughs> right. church and you should be and, assessing yourself. And I I can attest in 100%. Yes, there are people that are living like yes, that. Yes, there, there are. people that are doing like that. And their faith and their growth, it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's, and it's we, so amazing. And, and they are real people and, they, yep. and it's happening largely. Yeah, and but we, it's all underground because you don't see it in these. I guarantee you, all these people that go to the mega churches—they're not doing these things. Well, like people, and they argue and they say that you know they're not going to buy into the whole homeschool thing, but they feel sufficient that you know being a Christian home and going to church a couple times a week is enough to feed their children and keep their children from turning to the world when they're in the public system. And I go, okay, so you prepare them spiritually before you send them off each day. You guys spend time in scripture and in prayer before they get on the bus and you send them off to the public system. You do that every day without fail. And again, the moment they walk in and unpack and decipher the things of the world versus the things of the Lord, you're telling me that happens? Well, I don't have time for that. Do you see what we have to do even to make it out the door on time? Like, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, well, it's part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's Either it's you're dangerous. doing these things and you're walking the walk or you're not. And it's, it's nice that somebody legitimately tied this to the the apostasy at large today in the church. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of this is showing you guys that, look, this whole, this whole mega church, this whole watered down Christ, this whole, you know, means, you know what the root of this is, is apostasy. And this is in large what defines most Christians now. That's just not, that's just not true. And it's it's Can very very false, and it's and it's dangerously false. It's eternally dangerously false. Yeah. And it it's also stated that these are going to be the conditions. This is one thing that has to happen: is the the church body at large will grow, and that's what this whole church age has been: yeah. is the church body growing. But the problem is, is what will define the church body? What scripture tells us what will define the church body will be this large apostasy. Yep. These teachings that have come in, that have wormed their way in, that the all the apostles warned us of. Yep. And they and they even Oh, we've been warned. You know what? They that's what Paul said, but you don't think in their letters they didn't do this. They oh, yeah. they raised their hands and they over said, and "I over did. And I've over. done. I've washed my hands. I've told them and I've warned them. I cannot warn them anymore about how these false teachers are going to come from within their church and they're going to destroy it. And they're and this is what we have to defend and we have to watch out of because this is what they." They will come and they will destroy the faith. They will attempt to destroy the faith. We know that we, uh, you know, we we have no question and that we win and, you know, we have nothing to be worried about. However, we have to be sober minded and paying attention and paying attention to the times and seasons that we're in. In this general apostate church is a key sign to really start wrapping up your life and really start looking towards Christ because you're going to probably most likely see him, um, soon. you know, soon. 
Well, and that's the whole thing is we feel One way or another. Yeah, through death or rapture. I mean, we feel this is so important. Death we or rapture, We need to talk yeah. about these things. And so often people, they don't want to. Makes people uncomfortable. Like, that's not things people want to talk about or think about. But it's like, but it is that important. And the time is that close. You're not promised this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. You're not promised any of that. I don't want you who's listening that God has put into our path to be one of those people that doesn't know a true Christ Mm -hmm. because there's only one. And to get to him is a narrow backwards from this world road to take. So if God could use us in some way to plant that seed, to point you to the truth, to dive into scripture and to truly be born again, then amen. That's why we'll do all this. Yeah. And tomorrow uh, we will be back with, I'm going to, like I said, this is going to be a two-part, another long one. Um, But this goes along with our end times stuff that we've been and doing that I've been talking about. Um, Basically, I found just another legitimate source of a person that thinks a lot like me. And it's just kind of like raising his yeah. his watchman hands going, I, listen, guys, this is, we have to pay attention to this. This is, and he's got uh, great resources for pastors and different things like that. But it's how the NAR, which is the New Apostolic Reformation, yep. is which defines a lot of these churches that we've been talking about. Yep. Um, how the NAR dominionism corrupts the mind of pastors Mm. and dominionism is this idea of the kingdom now theology that we must take dominion over this kingdom because of the work that Christ accomplished on the cross cross. I can't even cross straight. I'm sorry. Of the cross accomplished (laughs) on the cross. Uh, we have somehow the supernatural ability to build this super kingdom for, and then Jesus comes back. So that's that's kind of what he goes over here and how it corrupts the mind of pastors and it corrupts the mind of our, our teachings and what we, we see in the church even today. Uh, and uh, even a lot of the confusion that pastors have between the end times doctrines and biblical just eschatology yeah. uh, confusion in general. Uh, a lot of this corruption comes from this false doctrine and these things that are just not true. So uh, he does another great job. So we'll go over that tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed this one. But we're yeah. going to we're going to stay on this train for a while. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks.